Greetings, everyone, and welcome to episode two of season two of the Up Level Your Career podcast with Judson and Jerome. Today's topic is internal networking and finding a mentor. I'm Jerome Imhoff, and it's my pleasure to welcome you to our conversation today. If you are familiar with our podcast, if you've listened to previous episodes, you know that Judson and I record from our homes. I'm in Palm Springs, California, and he is in Minneapolis, Minnesota. So you're likely to hear background noises from our households, from our neighborhoods, and so on. And we just ask that you forgive those um, and just tune in for the uh, good content and good suggestions we're offering you today. I'm a, a resume writer with a 20, um, 20, no, it's, I've been in practice for about 10 years. Um, over the course of the 10 years, I've written more than 2000 resumes. I also do a little bit of co- career coaching. Um, and, uh, um, I've known Judson for quite some time and it's really my pleasure to share this podcast with him. So I'll let him introduce himself. Thank you, Jerome. It's always a pleasure to connect with you. We're glad that you're able to be with us today on our podcast, season two here, episode two. We keep motoring on and we look to you always for your feedback in terms of topical content. We're always looking for that. And because of your comments and suggestions, we are now focusing on networking, specifically internal networking and the importance and some how to's to find a mentor. Mentors are so very important um, in in all of our careers. We're happy to uh, be with you today, and we encourage you to sit down and get out a pen or paper or however you take notes and listen for the nuggets that we are here to share with you. Um, I, too, am a career coach here, and I have a focus of working with people who are in career transition and a sub-focus of working with people who are in the corporate world who are looking to navigate into the nonprofit world. So with that said, Jerome, I'm going to throw it back to you. You can kick us off here, and we're going to go through um, the many, many points that we have as part of our outline today. Excellent. So, you know, we all, if you're in job search mode, um, we all hear about how important networking is to find a job. Today, we're going to talk about the importance of networking after you found a position and you are already, uh, maybe you've worked for for a company for nine months, a couple of years, you know, how do you continue to build your network? And the fact of the matter is that your network is really your most valuable asset in terms of career advancement and finding a career. And unfortunately, a lot of us don't even think about uh, creating a network until it's until we need it. And uh, what we would like to suggest is that building your network is something you should be doing as a professional all the time. And, uh, and it's important to, to cultivate strong relationships uh, within your organization, with your colleagues, with your supervisors. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of reasons for that. And one of them is it just leads to uh, better uh, career satisfaction. You know, if you actually know and like the people that you're working with, uh, you know, of course, then it's a lot easier to get up in the morning and go to work every day. And we spend an awful lot of our lives doing that. (laughs) So, you know, anything you can do to kind of make work more enjoyable and also to feel like you're 
growing professionally, maybe even growing personally um, while, while you're in the workplace. And so, um, you know, that's the purpose of doing this. And of course, you know, none of us want to stagnate in our careers. You don't want to be in the same position um, at, at, at a company, you know, for five, 10 years. You're hopefully somebody who's wanting to, to move ahead in whatever way that makes sense for you. And, you know, maybe some, some people might be satisfied doing the same thing for, for 10, 15 years. And that's okay if that's who you are. Um, but um, I think by and large, we want to, to make some sort of moves up the ladder. And so uh, building your network internally is one of the ways to do that. Um, Judson, what are your thoughts on, on sort of the, how important this is? Well, I think that in life in general, I mean, it's relationships that are the most important things. And, and I think that that certainly does apply to our careers. If you think about your own career, have you ever gotten a job or an advancement because of who you knew? And the majority of the people would answer yes to that question. So, you know, establishing relationships is going to be very important and, and sometimes critical to your advancement or your next opportunity, because you just never know. Jobs don't last forever. And um, as you said at the beginning, you know, building our network is so um, critical to advancement. And the way I like to say it is build your network before you need it. So it's there when you do. Absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and you know, I mean, it's, it's, that's not a big surprise. I don't think to anybody, but the actual doing of it, takes work and commitment. It really does. And just like friendships, it, it requires work and you have to nurture it. You can't just go to somebody in your network when you need something. I mean, that would not be the ideal scenario. Um, you know, it doesn't work in friendships. It doesn't work in marriages. You have to nurture it all along the way. So I think that what we're going to be talking about here um, is going to be relevant to pretty much everybody here. And we're not going to just leave you hanging with a theory. What we're going to do is we're going to give an application to what we're talking about in terms of internal networking. What do you do? How do you do it? How can you bolster your network internally once you're in? And so on. And we always look through for your questions, too. So um, I know that we provide our email address for you after our blog here, after our podcast. And... Um, we really would love to hear your questions because we we use those questions to assess how thorough we are in in our delivery and our content. So please do reach out to us. Right. Well, yeah. And since you've mentioned the the email address and then we're at the front end of the podcast, why don't we just give that to you in case, uh, um, just so you you have it twice. So uplevelcareers at gmail dot com is how you can reach both Judson and me uh, to ask questions. You know, Judson, you mentioned, um, you know, at, throughout the question, like how how many times have you received a job or gotten a job offer because of someone you knew? And and I'm looking, kind of going through my career and thinking, by and large, that's sort of how how I've done it. You know, that's how I, my first job, in fact, was because uh, the, um, 
I worked for at a drive-in restaurant and the owner of the drive-in restaurant happened to be one of my father's um, former colleagues at work and his wife and my mother had worked together and she called me on the phone one day and said, Hey, would you like a job? And so that's exactly how it happened. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious my- on a light note, did you have to wear roller skates in that job? No. And I, it's <laughs> funny because I was, I was actually, I worked um, as a fry cook initially, but uh, all of the girls who were car hops ended up sort of quitting because they were starting cheerleading and stuff. It was mostly high school students. Right. And so uh, the, the boss's wife decided to make men as guys car hops. So I was one of the guys who was a car hop and I did have the changer belts, but we did not wear, wear roller skates and it was a ton of fun. It was a great job. Oh, um, it was. So in terms of, so this this internal networking is important. Also, I, I'm also thinking of a time in my life when I wanted to transfer from where I was working to another city. And so being the, the fact that I was a good employee and I built relationships with my manager at the store where I was working and she liked me and she knew me as a team player, that really helped me to make this transfer to another city because she was willing to talk to the district manager, um, talk to the store manager and let them know that I was somebody that was, you know, that they needed to bring on and that I would do um, a good job. And so building those relationships and, and being um, known as a team player is really critical. And um, so one of the, the, Recent sort of um, epiphanies for me has been this notion of servant leadership. And are you familiar with that? Judson, have you heard of that? Um, the, you mean the idea of, of to be a leader, you have to be a servant? Yeah. Yeah, I am familiar with that. Some of it in observation, some of it in, in theory. Yeah. So I've, you know, I, in my resume writing, I've, in the questionnaire that I send out to, um, to my clients, one of the questions is, you know, um, what makes you a good manager? And I've several clients have mentioned this notion of being a servant, uh, you know, a leadership with a service, sort of a service mindset. And I find it really fascinating. And so um, in building your network at work, showing up as somebody who, is helpful and serves others, whether they're internal customers, external customers, or even your colleagues, is a really great way of building um, these solid relationships because you're not somebody who just shows up and does your job and keeps to themselves and sort of, you know, you don't want to have this notion of that's not my job. You know, somebody who's looking like, how can I serve my team? How can I serve my supervisor? How can I serve the greater organization? you know, again, that's part of building a relationship is being that person who can be counted on. And so thinking in terms of networking from that standpoint, I think is important. And also asking who is your customer? You know, who, we all know that we have external customers, but, uh, but we have internal customers as well. And I remember I worked for a staffing company called Talent Tree. And when you called the IT department, they answered the phone, customer care. And it was really interesting because that was sort of the first first time I really understood what it meant to be an internal customer. You know, we were out in the field in the offices and we were IT's customer. 
And they treated us as such. We got great customer service because they knew if we weren't able to do what we needed to do in the field, the rest of the organization would fall apart. And, and they became a part of my network as well. Um, When I uh, later uh, needed to, uh, when that that company uh, ended up closing and I needed to find another job, I reached out to those people and asked them to write um, LinkedIn um, recommendations for me and, uh, and to be part of, you know, help me, consider you know what my next move would be because I had built that network and they were oftentimes people I had never met in person because they were in Houston Texas and I was in San Francisco um but building that that relationship was important um what are your thoughts Judson well yeah again back to relationships life is all about relationships and and I remember it it is it's been a while now but when I first heard the term internal customer I mean, it's, it's, it's another way of looking at a colleague because you're all really codependent, you know, and in the good sense of the word codependent. Right. Um, and, and I just think that it's so important to put yourself out there and to meet people. And so people know who you are. So when it does come time for a promotion and maybe someone goes to bat for you, you won't be a complete stranger to the person making that decision. They will have heard of you and heard about you in good ways. And again, it's, there are ways to put yourself out there and we're all doing it to a certain degree. It just depends on how much initiative you want to take. Right. And and, and how you do it. Yeah. It's important to and at the same company, one of the things that was part of our training program when we first came on board was we we were required to call the different um, departments. So I, I called somebody in um, in the billing department because they were billing my customers, right? And so I introduced myself and found out who our contact was and spoke to different people. And it was really important because when I needed an invoice corrected for a customer, um, they were more apt to do things for me and quickly because I knew who they were and I treated them with respect. And, um, and I think that's all really important, you know, not to think of them as, Oh, they're my, my, you know, they work for me and, you know, and I'm going to push my weight around to get what I want. It was all about sort of, we work together and um, I'm again, having a, a, you know, a a reputation of being a a team player. Right. And you know, one other thing I will say in the bigger, broader picture here, if you are looking, if your goal and your plan is to move up within the organization, especially big companies to understand how each department operates and how all departments are connected to one another, upstream, downstream, side stream, however you want to describe it. But understanding that is going to give you that bigger picture and it's going to allow you, I think, to advance. I don't know if faster is the right word, but just with more thoroughness and a, and a greater understanding of the operations of, of the company and the output and, right. and how everything affects everything else within the organization. Right. If you don't see that, you're going to be very limited in what you can do and how high up within the organization you can go. Yeah, so I think uh, one of the things that just kind of came to my mind is this sort of 360 degree 
Um, you know, oftentimes companies will do 360 degree evaluations. And so thinking in terms of networking in 360 degrees too, you know, um, yep. having solid relationships with every person who touches the work you do and whose work you touch, um, which was one of my um, notes here. It's like who, who influences your work and whose work do you influence, you know, building those relationships. And I think it's really important also just to energetically contribute to a positive um, environment. You know, um, our, our first podcast was showing up as your best self um, in this season, right? Season, uh, season two, episode one, showing up as your best self. And I think that's it too. Um, So that everyone who encounters you has good things to say about you. Um, So in terms of how to network, um, and Judson had a lot of really great um, suggestions for this. Um, One of the things that I would um, suggest and and, um, Judson sort of alluded to this is just really familiarizing yourself with your your, uh, company's organizational chart. And, um, and knowing who, um, who reports to whom, um, who, who is, uh, who's engaged in what sort of discipline within the company, uh, so that, you know, as you're thinking about finding a mentor or or transitioning to another role, you kind of know who the key players are. Um, and, and it could be that, you know, maybe you're working in a particular, um, within a particular discipline and you're wanting to move into a different area altogether, you know, that that's also possible within an organization. And so knowing who those people are, for instance, right. maybe you want to move into marketing and you're doing something else. Um, yep. So two parts to that org chart and then a comment. One is what are the departments and maybe the sub departments, but beyond that, who are the people more importantly, who are the people who run those departments and who are in those departments and my comment is uh, maybe more of an encouragement, but if you're in a smaller company and there is no org chart, maybe as one of the new new people on the block, you could offer to create one right. and how valuable that would be to everybody, but also to you because you have firsthand permission really to reach out to everybody uh, or anybody you want and just say, hey, I'm creating an org chart. I wanted to connect with you and, and kind of, you know, get your title and, and then just tell me verbally, what do you do? You know, I mean, what a great experience and exercise that would be as you move forward here. So, um, and that can get you some good recognition too. Again, smaller companies may not have one yet. Large companies don't always have them, but usually they do. But there is a way to get involved. And I think keeping an eye on that org chart on, on who's who within the organization is going to be paramount to to your success within the organization right yeah so justin do you want to um lead us uh, through some of the suggestions for how to network uh in in within your company yeah absolutely um so there are a a number of ways and and we'll just kind of go back and forth here jerome but you know one of the things uh, that i encourage people to do when they first onboard is to really do your best to, to just walk around and, and introduce yourself to people. Um, now, if there's you know, multiple buildings, large campus, that might take a while. But within a smaller company, 
that's something that you can do. Just say, hey, I'm just I'm new on board. I wanted to introduce myself. And that's a good way to do it. And just to get an understanding verbally, perhaps, of, of what they do and how this is all connected to, to the goals of the company. That would be one of the first things I would suggest. Then as you move on uh, and inward into the company here, you know, the, there are many activities that companies have created. And some of it's based on volunteerism, like the Habitat for Humanity, for example, or Red Cross or whoever. Um, but get involved with that. Um, you know, just volunteer to go out on a Saturday or maybe, you know, some companies actually let you go during work hours as part of the, you know, what they offer employees, but to go and, and to meet people from various departments through that effort, doing good like that, um, I think is a wonderful opportunity to, to meet others from different departments, different levels, you know, ideally when you're out there building a house or whatever you're doing, there are no titles. There are no levels and superiority, inferiority. You're all just part of one team. And then when you're back in the office, and you know how this works, you see them in the hallway and say, hey, how are you? And it's a different, it's a different relationship. It's a different working relationship. And it's just strengthened by things like that. Um, another similar concept could be uh, if, if, if the company has a, a volleyball team or a softball team or some sports uh, activity, you can get involved with that. And that would be something else I would encourage people to do as well. Jerome, do you want to? Yeah, no, I, absolutely. And I, you know, I'm thinking as somewhat of an introvert, um, less introverted as I, as I grow older, but um or I would say less shy. I'm always an introvert, but um, you know, one of the things that I forced myself to do in, when I was in college um, was to engage in social activities that I would typically avoid because I knew I needed to, to meet people in order to enjoy my college experience. And I think that's the same, that the same thing goes for work. You know, if, if there's a, a happy hour after work or, um, or, you know, some sort of social engagement and you're the type of person who would typically not do that show up. Um, and also, you know, um, when I was teaching, um, my lunch period changed. Um, I, I was the music teacher, so I was able to sort of choose depending on the day, which lunch period I wanted to eat. Uh, with. And so I made it a point of eating with different groups of teachers um, every day. Um, and so you might think about that too. If, you know, if people sit in the break room and have lunch, you know, and you can choose what time you go to lunch, uh, go to lunch at a different time every day for, you know, a few weeks or maybe make that a habit um, so that you're engaging with different people um, in, in, a less, in a more of a social situation. Um, and that way people will get to know you and you'll get to know more people. And uh, yeah, I think well, that's... absolutely. And, you know, the thing, too, is, you know, we get so caught up in our work that oftentimes people eat lunch at their desk. And, right. you know, that's probably not healthy from a work life balance perspective. But, you know, if, if that's what people are doing, take the initiative and just say, hey, you want to meet in the break room and we'll have lunch. Right. Um, another thing that you could do um, 
I wouldn't say to necessarily ingratiate yourself, but, you know, bring, bring a dessert for everybody. If you have established, you now you're meeting, you're having lunch together, bring something once in a while, say, hey, I brought something for all of us. He's like, oh, well, that was nice, right? So that's something that you could do. It's just a little thing, but it can have a big impact. Right, right. Um, <clears throat> so within the organization in terms of sort of work types of things, um, I would suggest that you um, volunteer to contribute to any special projects. So sometimes, you know, in a staff meeting, they might say, hey, we're rolling out a new uh, software uh, program and we're looking for people to, you know, just test it as users, you know, and so maybe, maybe you volunteer to be one of the people to do that. Or there's an ad hoc committee to look at putting together procedural manuals or any number of things, right? You know, that's a good way to start to contribute value um, to the organization and to collaborate with people that you might not necessarily um, collaborate with on a regular basis, you know, if there's a staff meeting, don't be the person who just sits and, and uh, you know, listens and takes notes, but contribute um, in meaningful ways. Um, and again, if you're an introvert, that might be a little bit more difficult, but, a lot, you know, give yourself permission to, to speak up. Um, you know, and, and just a suggestion, too, on sure. that, Jerome, um, if you're in those meetings, Maybe if no one's already doing it, you could offer to take notes for that meeting and then distribute them to people. Right. You're in the meeting. Right. Yep. I mean, that's a great way to have those touch points. Um, but, and, and that's so, so very important to understand what was said and who's going to do what from an accountability and just getting stuff done perspective. Right. Right. And then think about joining employee resource groups. Um, you know, right now, diversity and inclusion is a um, really important um, aspect of, of a lot of larger companies. And we're hearing a lot about it, especially with the Black Lives um, Matter movement and different different things politically. Um, so employee resource groups, you know, for, for instance, I'm a member of the LGBTQ plus community. So if I were working for a big corporation, I'd get involved with that um, employee resource group, or even think about starting one if one doesn't exist, you know? Um, and if, and, and those groups can be, um, you know, based on um, ethnicity or uh, any number of things, you know, but think about being involved in those or any sorts of employee engagement um, organizations within the company. And as Judson mentioned, you know, that might be um, giving back to the community. It might be a sports team, um, but just get involved. <clears throat> the next point on our list is to um, speak to your manager and um, ask that person um, to recommend people that you should connect with. So um, that's particularly particularly important if you're a new employee. Um, but if you're, you know, really wanting to build your network and maybe you've been there a while and you're like, hey, you know, I'm feeling like I'm, you know, just a cog in the wheel and I'm wanting to learn more about the, the organization. So who can you recommend that I should speak with? Um, and, and getting the suggestions there. Did you have something, Justin? Well, yeah, and I was just going to add, you know, while you're doing that or maybe before you're doing that, is to really make sure that you're clear on what your professional goals and objectives are. Uh, because if you're going to connect with certain people, um, those select people that you have chosen strategically 
would be part of that longer picture plan. Right. So be smart about how you uh, and who you connect with here. Um, strategic networking might be another way to put it, but it is important. You don't want to just meet everyone um, necessarily. Um, but, and, and then I'll also say, you know, make sure that as you meet people, ask people what you can do for them or how would what you do, what could you do differently maybe to make their job easier? Right. That would be a good way to put it. Right. And if you can delve in and find those things out, because sometimes you're not familiar with the upstream downstream impact. And if you're like, Oh, well I could do it that way. Of course that would be just as easy. And like, Oh, that would make my life so much better. And, and then now you have that insight and you've built, you know, a nice connection with somebody. Right. And I think you, you really um, brought up an important point. And I think this even leads into our mentoring discussion. And that is um, to be really aware of what your goals are and to have a plan. And I think um, if you haven't done that, you know, it's important to sit down with pen and paper and sort of say, where do I want to be in five years? Where do I want to be in 10 years? Where do I want to be in three months, six months, nine months? You know, where, you know, having um, goals that you've committed to paper, you know, do you, you know, do you want a promotion and what, what is that promotion? Where do you want to end up um, in the next few years in your career? And so that, so that you're not sort of just shooting in the dark because um, otherwise this isn't meaningful at all. It's just sort of meeting people for the sake of meeting them which has its own place, but not necessarily, this isn't necessarily what we're talking about today. Well, and I I would add to that. I think it's a really good point, Jerome. And I would add to that, that, you know, in terms of your own goals and and the objectives that you have, um, I think it's really important to, hold on a second. Um, I lost my train of thought, (laughs) or maybe it never left (laughs) me. That's okay. Um, so just uh, a few last minute things um, in terms of suggestions for networking. Um, I think we've uh, touched on a lot of them. The last thing I would say is, you know, um, uh, sending out emails um, to acknowledge if somebody's gotten an award, if you've seen them, um, maybe they were uh, highlighted in the um, business times or, uh, you know, they, uh, did a, had had a special recognition of some sort, you know, sending out an email uh, to congratulate them and also giving shouts out to people who helped you on a project or maybe somebody who, um, you know, uh, made your, your work easier or, or any, you know, any sort of impactful thing, you know, sending emails out and, and copying, you know, the, the relevant stakeholders so that, you know, you're congratulating somebody, but you're sending it out to, uh, a wider audience. Those things can really go far in um, showing that you're paying attention and that you appreciate a job well done. Yeah. So I, detailed question on that. Um, sure. If you, if you were going to send out a congratulatory note to somebody for a job well done, for example, mm-hmm. would you blind copy their boss or open copy their boss? Oh, good question. Um I, probably, I don't know that there's one answer to that. One one answer fits all. I think you have to look at the context and everything. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, you know, because it's 
if, if you if you open copy the person, it has one impact. Um, but if you didn't, if you did the blind copy, it would have maybe another impact once it's discovered. Right. Yeah, that's a good question. I think it would probably, I would probably consider it a case by case basis and sort of, um, I think you would really want to understand relationships and, and what sort of is best practice in the company. And yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, in the sake <laughs> I don't of have time, a good answer I'm, for it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, um, it's, it's all good. Um, but in the sake of time, I think we should move into our next, next segment here. Uh, and, and we're talking about mentors, mentees, mentorship, the whole idea of it. Um, and not everyone has had the experience of having a mentor. Many of us have. And so I think with that said, what I'd like to do is just kind of talk about the value of mentorship. And then how do you find one? And looking down our, our outline here, how do you be a good mentee, for a lack of a better term? Because there is such thing as a good mentor and maybe a bad mentor. But also you play a role in all that. You don't just take it in and, and just take. Um, you know, you have to have a certain mindset as well to, to have an effective two-way working relationship with your absolutely. mentor. Yeah, absolutely. So um, in terms of finding the mentor, do you want to start with that? Or did yeah. you want to start with something? No, I think that's great. One? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I back to networking, right? I mean, it's you could find a mentor within the organization through all the things that we've talked about before. Or it could be somebody outside the organization. Maybe same industry or maybe different industry. Doesn't have to be. But I think that in your efforts of connecting with people. Be thinking about the whole idea of mentorship. And of course, you know, looking at people that you um, admire and respect because of what they've done um, or, or how they're perceived within the organization. I think it's really important that you're clear what kind of person you are looking for. And I think that that's going to come to you more intuitively. Um, I think as, as you meet people, you know, did you click with them? That's going to be, you know, a good first step. Um, and then as you get to know more about them, you might learn, oh, they're, a, they're an author or they're a public speaker or a subject matter expert in some area. And if that's what you want to be and become, then that would certainly make sense. Right. And, and again, I think this all goes back to being specific about what your goals are. Uh, so as you're selecting a, a mentor, you need to know exactly where you want to be going. Otherwise, uh, you're not likely to find the right mentor. Um, and so if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. Um, and I guess the same thing is true, too. If you don't know what you want to do, then you can just be mentored by anybody. But it's important, uh, I think, to make this really be, you know, to be a, a a valuable exercise for everybody for you to have taken the time to identify what your goals are. And, you know, you want SMART goals, um, which um, SMART is an acronym, which uh, stands for specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-based. And so to, uh, to sit down with your goals and write down what they are. 
you know, is, is your goal specific? You know, I want to be the sales manager. That's my goal. Um, it's that's measurable, right? Is it attainable? Do you have the skill set to actually get there? Is that relevant, right? And then time-based, when do you want to have that promotion? You know, in one year, I want to be the sales manager, right? And so um, the more specific you can be in having these things written down, it's really, really critical. Um, and thinking about who you might select as a mentor, you mentioned um, Judson, like, who do you look up to? Whose work do you admire? I think that's great. Um, and then thinking about whose job do you want in 10 to 15 years, right? Like, where do you, where do you see yourself being, you know, what role do you see yourself in in 10 to 15 years? That might lead you to somebody uh, who would be a good mentor for that. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. it, so another thing, um, I didn't want us to go too far away in terms sure. of where do you find yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. some of these folks? Um, you know, we've been talking about networking events and there's such thing as entrepreneur hotspots in, in specific cities. Typically bigger cities have those, but you can understand what we're talking about just by the name of it. And certainly LinkedIn, um, you know, you're, you're an expert in LinkedIn, Jerome. And so how would you find somebody uh, in and on LinkedIn, depending on what your goals are? Yeah. I think you would, you know, like looking at groups that you belong to in, in LinkedIn, um, maybe doing some research around um, what, uh, you know, the companies that you're interested in. Um, maybe, uh, you know, paying attention to who the subject matters are, such a subject matter experts or influencers are on LinkedIn and, you know, finding uh, people there. Um, so it, it, it's interesting to think about which is going to be more valuable for you too, in terms of finding a mentor. Is it, is it more valuable to have somebody within your company? to mentor you or somebody outside of your company, you know, and there might be benefits and, and, um, you know, benefits to each. And so to figure that, you know, sort of figure that out. Like I know that the mentors I've worked with, they were always people within my company. And the benefit of that was, you know, they knew the organization I worked in. They knew my work. They knew the key players in my work. And so if my, if my goal was to be successful in my current role, that that would be important. If my, if my goal is to move out of the company and maybe join another company, then finding a mentor outside of the company might also be the most beneficial. The downside of that is they're not going to know your work immediately. They're not going to be an insider into the culture that you're currently working in. And so I think it's important just to weigh both of those options and see what makes the most sense for you. Um, Yeah. And, and again, you know, within your company, it's probably easy to identify those people outside of a company. You're going to have to rely on tools like LinkedIn, the San Francisco business times or the business times in your, your community, you know, to find who the leaders are Um, looking at, um, you know, professional journals that what's important is to make sure it's somebody who's easily accessible, right? So somebody at a company that you're not familiar with or somebody that's not at your company might not be as easily accessible as somebody within your company. Um, and so what, you know, to consider how do you, what steps do you need to take to, to be 
able to meet this person and also to be ready for their mentorship too. So if it's somebody who's maybe a, you know, big time mover and shaker, are you prepared to be a good mentor, a good mentee for them? Are you, is, is this the next best step? You know, think about, you know, if you're having difficulty walking around the block, you're probably not ready to run a marathon. So, uh, mm-hmm. so thinking in terms of what's the next, what makes the most sense? Um, what are your, your thoughts, Judson? Well, uh, yeah. And, and I think that there's going to be a lot of nuances in terms of identifying the right fit, the right mutual fit. Cause I think it, it does go both ways. Right. And, you know, somebody looking for, Somebody who, well, if you have a teachable spirit, I think that that's going to be really important to it. Um, somebody who likes to teach, that's what you're looking for. And maybe some of these are rather obvious, but, um, you know, as I think about it too, is, you know, is, is this mentorship uh, an option or an obligation, you know, uh, to that person? Because if, if they feel it's an obligation, that's probably not going to go well long-term. Right. And, you know, just understanding what you're bringing to the table and what they're bringing to the table, I think is important to have that conversation before you decide, yes, let's do this mentorship. Um, and how, how you're able to commit to it. And I would also say, maybe put a, put a time frame around it. Say, so, you know, let's just do this for six months because then you have an out, you know, if it, if it didn't go well or, you know, it's run its course, that's fine. At least you've got an out and it's not just think, this obligation that's just going to lie before you, you know, forever in a day. We don't want that either. So um, I think that if you're able to do that and then just on a personal note, I think that it's really important to know that, um, there's, I mean, this is not a, uh, it's not a therapy session. You know, that's not what this is about. And so you have to make sure that you set and keep boundaries um, in this. And, and, you know, sometimes, sometimes you don't know where the line is until you've crossed it. But at the same time, just use common sense and keep it business like uh, in, in everything you do. And, and I think you'll be fine. I just think that there are people out there, especially as they get older, who are thinking, you know, you're an up-and-comer. I would love to take you under my wing and and help you, right? They just have a servant's heart. So I want to help. And so to find somebody who has that mindset, um, I think is important. And, you know, you don't necessarily go to that person right out of the gate and say, hey, I'd like you to be a mentor. You, You just really have these informal conversations Get to know them a little bit. If they've written a book, get their book, for example, uh, and maybe even comment on it. If it's on, you know, in a place on social media where you could comment and, and that would bring you to the surface and maybe top of mind for that author. So th- there are a number of things that we can do, but just ease yourself into it right. because it's, you know, it's sort of like a, a, a tree sometimes easy to get into, hard to get out of. Right. So be mindful of, of what your goals and expectations are and just let that relationship just develop organically, 
I guess. Right. So I think what's important to mention here is that we're talking about setting up a formal mentorship relationship. So, and I think these develop organically in the sense of like, maybe you've met somebody at a networking event or you have a, a call, you know, a supervisor or a colleague or somebody in your organization, whatever it is, you've met this person and you've clicked and you've had lunch together a couple of times and you've shared about what you're both doing and you feel like there's somebody who you could learn something from. Then you, at some point when you're ready, you have a formal ask and you, and we've, you know, in our notes, we talk about having an elevator pitch ready and sort of having um, some goals, uh, you know, you know, have it conveying your goals to the person and telling them how you think they can help you and having even an idea about what the time commitment might be. And so then you have a situation where you formally ask them, would you be my mentor? I, and you'd say, you know, I'm looking at, let's use the example of, I want to be a sales manager. That's my goal. And um, I want to make sure I'm doing this well. And you're somebody I look up to and you've done, you've, you've, been in this role and you were a great manager would you be willing to be be my mentor and and I'm thinking we could meet every two weeks and and what I would love for you to do is to um give me specific assignments to work on tell me which articles to read what books to read about sales what you know what training programs I should be signing up for I'm willing to do whatever you suggest I do I would love just love to have your guidance and have you help me for the next six to nine months? Is that something you'd be willing to do? So you're setting it up as a formal relationship. We all have informal mentors, right? We have, you know, well, teachers, of course, are formal mentors, but maybe you had a teacher and you've stayed in touch with them and there's somebody you look up to and you go to for advice. You know, there are informal mentorships and that's great. And maybe you could turn one of those into a formal mentorship. But what what we're suggesting here is finding somebody who can help you get to the next step, much like you would hire a coach, um, a life coach or a career coach, or even if you're wanting to, to run a marathon and you need somebody to train you. That's what we're talking about. So it's a very um, specific formal relationship that you're establishing. Um, I'm glad you made that clear because that's true. It's it's not just a wishy-washy thing. It's like, oh, right. well, if you got a moment, you know, give it some structure. And and like you said, a time frame too. I think that's important. And and on the other side of that same coin, I would say, you know, if you see an opportunity to be a mentor. Right. Yeah. You know, think about that. And you don't necessarily have to offer to be a mentor. You can just sort of do it. Right. Um, and then see how that evolves. Right. Um, because we all need mentors and we need teachers. We need to, you know, we need the examples of how to get where we want to go, especially if we've never been there before, which is usually right. the case. Right. So how valuable that can be. So then in terms of being a good mentee, um, this relationship is actually managed by the person who's being mentored, not by the mentor, but by the person who's the mentee. So that means you're going to, uh, set an agenda for the meetings, you know, have a formal agenda. These are the things uh, that I'd like to talk about. And maybe once you get going, the, the mentor does some of that as well. But you want to take as much of the work off of them as possible um, because they're giving you their time during the sessions. And so, you know, you set the agenda, be open to their feedback, 
take notes um, and follow up via email. Here are the things that I learned. Here were the action items you gave me to do. And then do what you say you're going to do. If they tell you, if they give you an action item and you, and you agree to doing it, then you do it within the time frame they give you. Because these, you know, a mentorship is not a paid situation. I mean, we can all hire coaches and we're paying for that, right? So it's a little bit of a different situation, but this is somebody who's volunteering their time, giving you their time. And so be accountable to the things that they want you to, to do. Um, and uh, um, yeah, so, so do what they ask you to do. Be um, aware of the commitment you're making, the commitment they're making and uphold that. Um, so question for you, Jerome. Sure. Um, um, this is really a, you know, a two-sided coin or a two-way street. As a mentee, do you have any recommendations on how the mentee can give back to the mentor? Um, I think it's something you just want to be aware of doing and sort of look for opportunities. It could be, um, you know, as simple as introducing them to somebody who's maybe in your network that they'd want to meet. Um, if you have those connections, it may be um, helping them out with, you know, a, a project or something, you know, maybe you're mentoring, someone's mentoring you and they need some help with a simple task that you could easily do. You know, they're reorganizing their office on a Saturday. And you, and you help them. You help them catalog their library. I mean, I, it's simple things, right? But just being available to help them as well. And just asking, what can I do to help you? You know, is there anything I can do to help you? Whatever, you know, you're helping me yeah. so much. What can I do? You know, and it might be simple. It might be a, a small thing. But um, just being able and willing to do those things, I think, would be. Yeah. And something minor, seemingly minor. Um, if you were meeting in person, which we're not so much anymore, right. but if you were and you learned over time that your mentor's favorite coffee drink was a caramel macchiato or whatever, right? You know, maybe you just bring one once in a while or yeah. every time, you know, or something. Yeah. But listen for needs. People tell us what they like and what they need. Right. So if you just tune into that, I think that you're able to, you know, kind of repay them, so to speak, or at least. Right with a kind action. Right. And, you know, the bottom line is you're going to consider this a lifelong relationship. So even if the mentorship ends, right, you know, these are people who you establish a friendship with, and it's a special kind of friendship. It's not, um, you know, when I think about, uh, I'm thinking in particular of a favorite teacher of mine from high school who, um, you know, it's been 30 years since I graduated from high school. Um, I hate to say that out loud, um, but this uh, this teacher, Marilyn Bates, um, used to live down the street from my mom. And every time I'm home, you know, she's moved in. But still, every time I'm home, I call her and say, hey, I'd love to come over and we have a cup of tea together and we talk for hours. And um, and I consider her a friend, but it's a different kind of friendship. I, you know, I don't kiki. Uh, with her about what I did Saturday night, you know, I'm asking her about the book she's reading, you know, and, um, and it's, and I still like, if she recommends a book, I'm going to read it because 
you know, she was my English teacher and she knows good literature. And we talk about creative and arts kinds of things. And so it's become a lifelong relationship. And I can think of also people in my at talent tree who were mentors and, um, you know, the kinds of conversations we have. There was one I spoke with, uh, Ruth McCurdy. Well, she's now Ruth Wheat. Ruth Wheat. She had written a book and was doing a lot of public speaking. And so I, I sent her an email and said, I want to know how you're doing that. Can we have a conversation? And she was happy to do it. And we had a great conversation and it was lovely to talk with her again. And she showed, shared with me how she was booking speaking opportunities. Um, and so somewhat of an informal mentorship, but these lifelong relationships with people who've touched your life uh, because they were good leaders um, and they were people who were about interesting and important things. Um, yep. All really good points, Jerome. And I see that we've just crossed the top of the hour. So okay. we'll probably wrap it up here. <laughs> yep. Because um, we try to keep this within 60 minutes, but um, we hope that what you, what we talked about today, you found helpful. And again, always listen to those little nuggets that we are, are sharing with people. Um, we try to meet people where they're at and with a wide audience that we have, you just never know where people are at. But in terms of the networking component, um, it's, we, I think we all know how very important relationships are in, in life. And in terms of your, your networking efforts within a company, that internal mobility is contingent upon that. It's definitely affected by it. We want to make sure that we are known and well-known um, for all that we do uh, in terms of the networking. We gave you some ideas on what to do when you first onboard and uh, as you go through um, your journey within an organization. Extracurricular activities are a wonderful way to connect and meet up with people. And through that process, you may even find a wonderful mentor, somebody who is willing to take you under their wing and, and really help you along and help you to become successful in all that you do. Any final words, um, Jerome? I think, you know, what comes to my mind right now as you're talking about this and you're mentioning the importance of relationships, and I think they're critical. I mean, they're the one thing that we maintain regardless of, you know, we can lose our homes, we can lose our cars, we can, you know, all of the stuff, right? But the relationships are important. And I think the best way to, um, to, to develop these relationships is, is we talked about showing up as your best self. And I think that kind of goes back to that, but just be you, right? You know, we all know, people who can schmooze and can, you know, sort of play this game, but it's sort of disingenuous. And so you will do so much better just by showing up as yourself. And, and then these relationships will be lifelong. And I know Judson, you have them too, right? People you've just known forever and they were professional relationships, but, you just know each other because you showed up authentically. And I think that's the bottom line here. So um, do you. Well, and like they say, you know, in terms of being yourself, I mean, who else is better qualified? Exactly. You? Exactly. But you know what I'm talking about? Cause I, I encountered do. people are extremely fake and they, and they can get ahead by schmoozing and playing the game. Yeah. But 
that's not what we're suggesting here at all. So, um, so we thank you very much for your time. And uh, again, uh, in terms of relationships being a valuable resource, your time is your valuable resource. You've given us an hour of your time that you'll never get back. So hopefully you uh, have found some value in this. We would love to hear from you. We would love suggestions for future podcasts. Um, You can email Judson and I at uh, uplevelcareers at gmail.com. You can reach me at resumeshopinc at gmail.com. And my website is www.theresumeshopinc.com. I would love to hear from you. Judson. Thank you, Jerome. And I can be reached at Judson, J-U-D-S-O-N, at careerpathstrategies.com. And that's the website as well, careerpathstrategies.com. And again, we do look forward to hearing from you. Let us know what you're liking and what you would like to hear moving forward. Our focus on season two really is, is, is to work with people who are currently employed, not exclusively, but currently employed, looking to advance their career and, and manage their career. So with that said and in mind, we thank you so much for being with us today. We're really glad you're able to join us. Do tell a friend. Um, take a look at some of our past podcasts here if you want to find some topics that are relevant to where you're at. And um, if you're in the Bay Area, just a little plug for the Job Forum. Um, there is a group called the Job Forum. It's thejobforum.org is the website. And it's a panel of career coaches who have given their time voluntarily to help people who are in transition. And this is virtual because of the pandemic that we're in, but do look it up and um, get involved with that. There's multiple perspectives to be had on careers and career advice. So what you're getting here today from Jerome and myself here, two two people's opinions, Um, but we always encourage you to reach out Uh, especially to the job forum and other job seeking groups to surround yourself with other people who are like-minded and, and kind of in the same place on their journey that you are. So we do thank you so much. Glad you're able to be with us and we hope to see you and hear you next time. I should say. Yes. Thank you very much for listening. Episode three of the podcast is going to be on working toward a promotion. So we hope you'll join us for that conversation. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.